welcome to Crash Course. This is your weekly podcast brought to you by the Live Unbreakable brand. I'm your host, Live Unbreakable founder and head fitness and nutrition coach, Sean Provost. Alongside me, I have my co-host, strength and conditioning coach, Dan Murray. We're here every single week to give you a crash course in something about health and wellness, diving deep into the science behind diet and exercise. In each episode, we look to provide you with the essentials on important topics and give you the best advice in training, mindset shifts, and overall healthier, sustainable living so you can make the best decisions for you and your lifestyle. No fluff, just facts. Guys, I'm so nervous for this, but welcome to the very first solo episode of the Crash Course Podcast. And by solo, I mean I have no guest. Coach Dan is not co-hosting tonight. It is just you and I for a very intimate conversation about a ton of topics that I'm super excited to bring to you guys that I have had on my mind for a hot minute, and now I finally get to share, and I just feel like it's the appropriate time, the appropriate way, and I want you guys to hang in with me and get ready for another wild ride because that's the only way that we do things at Live Unbreakable. You just jump in with both feet and you worry about it later. (laughs) So first, I want to jump in and say I want to acknowledge the importance of April for a number of reasons, but for those of you who don't know, it is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and that is a big part of my story. It is also a big part of the Live Unbreakable fabric. It is not necessarily how the company got started, but one of the main reasons that our brand colors do include teal is because teal is the color for survivors. And so it was important to me as a survivor that my company was representative of not just that color, but the mindset that survivors have after recovery, during recovery, as they're going through their resolution, that this was something that this was a safe place. And this was, you know, a lifestyle that could be really flexible depending on where you are in your life and what is going on. And so Let me dive back. My story goes all the way to when I was a teenager. And let me first say, this is not a trigger warning. I am not going to tell you guys my story on a national podcast. Not this way. Anyways, um, I do want to let you guys know that I will list some resources at the end of the podcast. But if you do need help, please don't hesitate to reach out. I myself am not a licensed professional, but I do have a lot of context in that space. And I'm more than happy to help you guys out and give you resources. That being said, again, no trigger warning. I'm not discussing that. But my story started way back when I was a teenager. And, you know, I felt like I had really lost control of a lot of things in my life. And I don't think that's, you know, super... I like different or unique, right? Teenagers don't get to make a lot of choices typically because they're teens and they do things like cut their hair into mohawks and dye their hair crazy colors or pierce things that don't need to be pierced. (laughs) So it's probably better that we don't have like all this, you know, free reign as a teenager. But I lost a sense of control of what I thought I had control over which was my body, right? And so kind of fast forward a couple of years and what happened in my case, I created control in my life um, through food and through eating unhealthy. And I don't mean necessarily like reaching for junk food or anything like that. I mean, I had orthorexia. And 
So I know that's kind of a weird term, right? Because we've heard of anorexia. We know what bulimia is. Um, Depending on where you guys are in the health space, you might know a lot more terms than that. But those are the two big ones, right? Anorexia is typically identified by people who are really thin, right, who aren't eating enough and super restrictive of their dieting. And then bulimia is sort of on the same spectrum where people are just binging, right? So they restrict for a while and then they binge. And so each of those has kind of like their own following, right? But orthorexia, and I wouldn't even say it sits in the middle. I would say orthorexia has its own scale where you just kind of dive into this unhealthy way of controlling healthy foods in your life. So orthorexia is typically... The symptoms here are controlling the food that goes into your body in an unhealthy way. So if you are obsessed with macronutrients, you're obsessed with eating healthy, you're obsessed with making sure that you know every single piece of every single food that goes like anywhere near your nose or mouth, right? And it's the control piece that I really want to focus on because that's typically, especially for eating disorders, one of the things that's so hard to let go of. And for me, orthorexia became my outlet where if I controlled what I ate and how much I ate, healthy or unhealthy, I could see results. And I use results in air quotes as a super loose term because the results I was seeing, right, weren't healthy and it wasn't necessarily a result as much as it was something that I could see an outcome from. So for me, especially in college, I would stop controlling, see myself gain weight, start controlling, see myself lose weight. And it became this cycle where I didn't necessarily not eat, right? Because I was still eating. I liked food. I liked to cook. But I also wasn't binging. I wasn't going a long time of restricting and then binging and throwing up or anything like that. But I was just so obsessed with macronutrients. I was so obsessed with everything that went into my body and understanding it that it became this obsession for me where I could literally, within days, recognize a difference in my habits and how my body looked. And so it was giving me this positive feedback, right, of if I acted this way and I did this thing, then my body would react this way. And that's crazy, right? But it's not necessarily unique. It's not unique to a population, an age, a gender. It's not one of those things that you can just like point at and say, hey, that girl has X, Y, or Z. Or, you know, this man is dealing with this in his life, right? It's kind of hidden because, and it's, it's almost rewarded by society to have orthorexia because people say that you look good or that you look healthier or, hey, you lost weight or, oh my gosh, she's worried about what's going in her body. That's so cool. I wish I could be that way. And so it's not just necessarily for me, it wasn't just seeing the results. It was having other people see those same results and being rewarded for it. So, oh my gosh, they really like how I look. I must be doing something right. And the piece of the puzzle I was really missing, right, is that when you fall into that cycle, and we'll get into this in just a second, but when you fall into that cycle of results equals this and, you know, achievement is this, you almost never want to get out of it, even if you notice that it's unhealthy, because you're being rewarded, you're getting that dopamine, not just from yourself, but also from other people. 
So let's rewind just a little bit and talk about how the threat bucket theory really applies to not only eating disorders or not only to survivors or control, but just in general. So if you guys have been following me on Instagram, I've been talking about this quite a bit because I find it absolutely fascinating. And the threat bucket theory is literally a physical representation of threats that your body accumulates until it literally can't accumulate anymore. So your bucket is full. And then your body gives you like a sense of pain. And that pain can be literally anything, bloating, headache, um, arthritis, bloating, I said bloating, uh, stomach ache, GI issues, diarrhea, you're vomiting, whatever it is, right? But it's a physical representation of how much stress you're under. So Every time you have a threat, it just goes into the bucket until you have a way to release that threat from your system. So that's not only identifying, but also being able to get rid of that threat, right? And that's the hardest part, honestly, because you don't necessarily, once you recognize the threat, it doesn't mean that it just goes away. So if work is your stress, it's not like you can quit your job and everything's hunky-dory because then you have all these other threats that come up like bills and a car payment, (laughs) right? So you have to really pick your battles. And for me, I didn't see anything I was doing as a threat in that situation. I didn't see orthorexia as a threat. What I saw it as was my way to take back control of my body. So some of you guys may have heard this, that like every seven years, every single cell in your body has been shed or changed in some way, right? So in survivorship, we always say like in seven years, you're going to have a body that nobody else has been able to assault, attack, hurt, violate in any way. But I didn't know that at the time. And so I wasn't counting down my seven years. I was just trying to create a body that um, was desirable by society, that was rewarded by others, and that I was proud of. But Somewhere in there, right, my body got to a point that was so unhealthy mentally and physically, emotionally, that I was causing myself issues, gave myself problems. And again, this isn't unique. A lot of people go through this, right? And we don't even necessarily notice it. But I was giving myself stress fractures because I wasn't eating enough, I wasn't taking care of my body, and I was still exercising quite a bit. I was causing my inner organs to have much harder time functioning and then cause them to shut down or to have issues when I was dehydrated, right, because I wasn't taking care of myself. And I didn't see any of those signs. I saw none of them. I was going to the doctor. I was sick. I wasn't sleeping. Um, because I wasn't sleeping, my brain wasn't really recovering. And so like down downward spiral and super downhill slope here. But because I could control it, or so I thought, I was addicted to what I was doing. And so, yeah, I was sick, but well, it wasn't my fault, right? And so in the threat bucket theory right? All of these pieces were going into my threat bucket and I was just overloading it daily. And there was no way for me to come out of it on top. But I thought I was on top of it the whole time. And that mental framing that I had of, well, I'm sick, but it's not my fault. I'm injured, but it's not my fault was really 
the disconnect that later in life, I bridged the gap and realized what I was doing. So for me, the threat bucket became a really interesting philosophy for two reasons. One, when you think you're gaining control, right, you think that your threat bucket is empty and you have no other symptoms telling you otherwise. There's a disconnect. But that becomes part of the problem as you add to your threat bucket continuously throughout the day, but you're addicted to the results that you've been seeing. So you're ignoring your threat bucket and it's just sitting there overflowing on the scale with no hope of coming back. But as soon as you intervene in that cycle, whether that's through your own well-being, your own mental tenacity, somebody else points it out for you, or you go and see a professional, (laughs) oh my gosh, then it starts to really show you where your threat bucket actually is. And if it's overloaded, if it's empty, if you're in a good spot or a bad spot, whatever it is. Now, the irony for me is that I was majoring in psychology. That was my major in school. When I went to college, I was like hell bent on helping the world. And that's, I really thought I was going to do that. And after going to a couple of psych classes, I realized, wow, I can't change the world. We're all kind of screwed up, (laughs) but I want to help at least one person. And so my life goal became to help just one person. And that was where the idea of Live Unbreakable originally came from, was to find that one person that did not see the disconnect in their life and to help them bridge that gap. So I spent my senior year studying personalization and sexual assault training and trying to understand more about survivors and how they think. Because to me, I had experience as a survivor. I I knew what it was like. And I knew the fight to get back control was so strong that we would find and clamor and fight our way to have some sort of control. And we all do it. This isn't just linked to survivorship. This is anyone who's been through trauma, anyone who has lost control or their brain thinks that they've lost control, right? So I just had to narrow down my niche. I had to understand one area, one audience, so that I could start to help that one person and then I could start to extrapolate on that. So for me, my entire senior year studying survivors and what sticks in their mind, what makes them tick, what's their motivation, that all led me down to this one piece of control. And all of a sudden, the light dawned on me, right? It just turned on, click, (laughs) that I had lost control in my attempt to gain back control mind blown, right? I was working so hard to achieve something that I thought like on the daily I was getting there. And then all of a sudden I had the rug ripped out from under me. Like, no, Sean, you are not in control, girlfriends. (laughs) You are so out of control. Your body is rebelling against you. And thus, Live Unbreakable was born. And it became not just something for me to pour my passion into as much as really try to understand mental tenacity, um, how our brain works, how to remap it, how to understand eating disorders or control or 
all these little other pieces that I knew I could weave together a story that made sense and would help someone who had my story. And I had a lot of naysayers. <laughs> I had a ton of them. Um, but I, I never listened to them because it was so much about being able to help that one person. It was always one person. And I wanted their threat bucket to be empty. I really did. And I still do. And so the threat bucket to me became the philosophy I would go to when I was having a conversation with someone who I felt like had a disconnect. And it still is. It's still a conversation I have with clients one-on-one, just like I am with you right now. But we extrapolate on it based on what they're doing in their life, where they are in their life. So, you know, you have marital stress. Okay, well, let's narrow that down a little bit. Like, is that adding to your threat bucket? What else is going in there? Right? Or, hey, you know, I'm overweight and I'm trying to lose weight, but I really just can't prioritize it because I have so many other things going on. Yeah, no, no worries, right? Like, you have a full threat bucket and you're trying to add something else in there that's going to tax your system. So, Rewinding, putting this all together, for me, April has always been a harder month because I struggle with wanting to identify as a survivor, but also taking that step back and knowing that it's not necessarily a story that everyone needs to hear about me, right? But it's also a really big part of who I am as a coach, as a person, and how Live Unbreakable starts to train people to let go of the control they think they have and gain control back of what they know they can. And really tying together that piece in mental reframing and mental tenacity to know that the quote-unquote results that maybe you've been seeing A, aren't actually results, (laughs) right? They're still unhealthy. It's still not a good habit. But also when you think about your threat bucket and you start to take out threats and weave them out and tie them into a different part of your story, things that seemed so daunting before now become so much less so and aren't even included in your threat bucket because you can handle them because you have control over your own thoughts and over your own being, but you also have control over what goes in your bucket in the first place. So what I really want to impress upon y'all in this podcast, we've gotten to the penultimate moment, thanks for hanging in there, is that control can mean a lot of things. And it's not always what you're thinking it does. So when you say, well, I can't control X, Y, or Z, your next thought needs to be, why? Why can't I control that? Oh, well, it's just a reaction to whatever. Well, that's a great story that you're telling yourself, but that's not the whole story. That's not true either, because if you literally couldn't control it, then it's a situation that you put yourself in that you can control. So let's take this as like a generalized idea here, right? In general, you cannot control work stress. I totally get it. Some days you walk in, you're putting out fire after fire, you're on meeting after meeting, call after call. Yeah, you can't control that. But you can absolutely control the environment that you put yourself in and how much stress goes into those meetings how you de-stress before and after work, and maybe 
you're not married to this company. So what if we look for a different position that brings less stress to you as a person? And these are all the moving pieces of control that we really need to sit down, sit back, take a deep breath, a little diaphragmatic breathing here, (laughs) right? And just start to sit with. The one thing no one ever wants to be told is that you can control something that they didn't think they could control. Believe me, I've tried with clients. They're like, no, I can't control that. Let's not even try. But two months down the road, yeah, absolutely. It's an obstacle that they can tackle and that is something they can control. But in the same breath, we're not just focused on the control as much as replacing the idea that we need control with the idea that we are innately in control. And that really comes back to the addiction of needing whatever response it is or whatever chemical in our system it is and really starting to innately, subconsciously, really recognize that we have the life that we want as long as we're willing to work for it. And ladies and gentlemen, the penultimate moment is now over, right? (laughs) So if you've learned nothing else from listening to our podcasts or from listening to this one solo, I really hope that Threat Bucket philosophy was interesting because, heck, I could go about that forever. But this This idea of control, letting go of control, subconsciously having control, it's all BS, right? Like it's literally all just in how you're framing it, the words that you're using to frame it, and your life, right? Sure. But the minute that you recognize that you can have what you want if you're willing to work for it, and if you're willing to recognize that where you are is uncomfortable, you've got it. That's it. That's the what. That's absolutely the what. And why I love coaching is because we get to that moment where everyone at some point or another gets so vulnerable, whether that's, you know, you can think of vulnerable as I'm about to cry or picture yourself naked in the middle of Times Square, unless that's your thing, in which case more power to you. But when you when you're vulnerable and you strip down all of those walls that you've built up from every experience you've ever been through... And, and start to focus on, you know, what is what do you want and how are we going to get there? Is it something you can do by yourself? Is it control over a situation you don't think you have control over? Is it the way that it's framed in your life right now? Or is it as simple as stepping back and looking at it from a 30,000-foot view and being able to identify pick that piece out, and move on with your life. The cycle doesn't have to be as cyclical as it is. We all have the time, the energy, the know-how, the resources. As long as you're willing to recognize that either control or not control is where you are, you can get to the other side and we can bridge that gap. And that disconnect, honestly, Live Unbreakable builds that bridge. Like, yeah, you can totally get there. Like if you're looking at a map and on the left side is where you are and is this little red triangle, like you are here and there's this like up and down around the path, 27 mountains in between. And then this X on the right side of the map is where you're trying to go. I can draw you a straight ass line from where you are to X because I've done 
I've, I've lived that map, right? I've, I've seen those mountaintops. They're beautiful. We can go back and check them out. Once you have that time and space and energy to do it. Otherwise, you're just trudging over a mountain, not even realizing the views on either side because you're so busy trying to get from point A to point B. And you're taking all of these side routes because you just don't know how. So long way to tell you guys that I absolutely... 100% believe that y'all can be whatever you want to be. And if you identify as a survivor right now, hell yeah. And if you want to identify as more and you want to take that control back, or conversely, you want to let go of it, that is awesome. And there is no timeline for it. There is no deadline for you to say yes or no. It's really just where you are on your journey. And so in every April, I always do something to kind of signify this milestone to myself that we've made it another year and this is what we've done. And I know a lot of people do that on birthdays or whatever, but like I'm usually too busy trying to have a good time or dancing or doing something that I'm sure my mother would not approve of. <laughs> Don't listen, mom. Um, but, you know, this time for me is a point of reflection to say, these are all the things that I was trying to control and it was going into my threat bucket and I had to empty my threat bucket so many times that it turned into a physical manifestation that I still live with that, you know, now it's okay. Well, I don't have control over that and I'm fine with it and I don't need to have control over it or I can't wait to have control over that. How do I get to that point? And, and recognizing in my system, okay, it is about the control still what's the next step? Oh, the next step is not even knowing that I had control over it the whole time and recognizing that I just blazed my own trail right there and figured it out. And guys, it is worth every single second. It is worth all of it. So if there's anything I can do to support you in that journey, even if it's just a shoulder to cry on, even if it's just a, hey, this is my idea, or what did you mean about this? Can you clarify? Guys, I want to be here for you. And, you know, I thank you guys for listening to this because it was important to me that this piece of the puzzle or this string of the fabric of Live Unbreakable was kind of peeled back and shared because threat bucket or not, control or not, when it all comes down to it, one person, not even per day, just in your lifetime. If you can positively impact one person, that is phenomenal. That is a huge impact, right? Think about the people who have made an influence on you in your life, right? And if you can list more than one, wow, be so grateful because that's amazing. You've had more than one person in your life make such a sizable impression that it changed you for the better oh my gosh, nuts, right? Like that's phenomenal, right? That's so cool. So if you can be that active agent of change by sharing your thoughts, sharing your experience, understanding something or just chatting about it with someone, then and you can impact their life, man, that is that is the coolest thing that any two humans can do. And I, I challenge each of you to start looking at life in that way subconsciously control what you can, focus on that mental tenacity, really identify your threats and start knocking them out of the park. 
And you'd be really surprised about what it opens up your life to. So y'all, I told you I'd give you a couple resources. I am not a trained therapist or counselor for sexual assault survivors. I can absolutely find someone who is in your area. So if you feel comfortable reaching out, please let me know. And I am the first person to help you figure it out and we will find someone for you. But if it's more emergent than that, please reach out to rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N.org or the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. And all of those are available 24-7, 365. So I hope you don't need them, but if you do, please, please, please reach out. They are super phenomenal to work with, and you are in good hands. All right. Well, thank you so much for sticking around for this whole solo podcast adventure. I hope you guys had as much fun as I did. I also hope that I gave you guys either some sort of hope or changed your mind or introduced a new idea to you that helped you see the world in a bit of a different way. It did for me, just sharing this side of the story and being able to really have an intimate one-on-one was fun, but challenging. And that's exactly what Living Unbreakable is all about. We want to challenge. We want to be insightful. We want to share and educate. And most of all, just let everybody know that wherever you are on your journey, we accept it and we love it. And we're so excited to help you on the next steps. We hope you all enjoyed this episode of Crash Course by Live Unbreakable. And if we made you smile or stop to think about something in a new way, go ahead and screenshot, post, or share this episode so we can get your feedback and share more knowledge with the world. Now get out there, eat, train, live, and subscribe to our Crash Course podcast. So you never miss a beat and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn to keep up with all things Live Unbreakable.